Welcome to Daily Drive for Wednesday, April 26, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Callan Walker. Today on the show, Stellantis plans to cut 3,500 jobs in the U.S. Earnings fell for Asbury and Penske. And Honda execs got an unpleasant surprise at the Shanghai Auto Show. Plus, conversation about the ever-evolving state of EV tax credits in the U.S., including how it affects retailers. It changes every day. We're getting more and more information on it. So it's, uh, it's not an easy job right now. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Stellantis plans to cut about 3,500 hourly jobs in the U.S. through buyouts and retirement incentives ahead of negotiations with the UAW later this year. UAW Local 1264, which represents the Stellantis stamping plant in Sterling Heights, Michigan, said in a letter to members that the offers would be made corporate-wide. The letter says retirement-eligible workers who were hired before ratification of Chrysler's 2007 contract with the UAW can receive $50,000 to leave their job. Employees who have been with the company for at least a year would be eligible for a lump-sum benefit payment. The letter did not say how much that would be. Workers can sign up for either package from May 6th through June 19th. Departure dates are tentatively scheduled for June 30th through December 31st, depending on each plant's needs. The letter says the openings would be filled by workers on indefinite layoff. Stellantis declined to comment on the plan. Asbury Automotive Group's net income dropped 24% and its revenue fell almost 8.5% during the first quarter. That's as the national auto retailer operated with fewer stores than a year earlier. Asbury sold four locations in the first quarter of 2022 and three more in the second quarter to comply with Toyota and Lexus regional store count limits. Asbury then sold nine dealerships during the fourth quarter. Earnings also dropped for Penske Automotive Group despite record revenue. Penske posted $7.3 billion in revenue in Q1, That's up more than 5% from the same period in 2022. But net income for the publicly held company fell 19%. The company says foreign currency exchange hurt revenue by almost $300 million. If you take away that impact, same-store retail automotive revenue increased 6%. And same-store retail automotive gross profit increased 2%. We were overwhelmed by the Chinese. That's what Honda COO Shinji Aoyama had to say about the Shanghai Auto Show after local Chinese brands flooded the exhibition hall with sophisticated, advanced EVs of all kinds. Honda CEO Toshihiro Mibe admits falling behind in the global race for electric vehicles. Now he is outlining a sweeping strategy to fight back and rekindle Honda's mojo. Honda's radical revamp hinges on new models, better batteries, powerful software, and a totally transformed driver interface. All that, plus it will have dedicated EV factories with a completely overhauled production system being developed by one of the world's most innovative manufacturers. It also involves a newly secured supply of semiconductors, the lifeblood of tomorrow's cars. The CEO outlined the vision today while giving Honda's annual business briefing. Mibe pledged the worldwide reboot will shift into high gear in two short years. And speaking of legacy automakers falling behind Chinese EV makers, BYD is now China's best-selling car brand for the first time, dethroning Volkswagen as it continues its meteoric rise. The Warren Buffett-backed electric vehicle maker 
leapfrogged the German giant in the first quarter. It sold more than 440,000 cars in China. That's according to automotive industry data compiled by Bloomberg. BYD said last month it aimed to overtake VW by the end of 2023. VW had been the best-selling auto brand in China since at least 2008. That's when data from the China Automotive Technology and Research Center became available. Vehicle sales under the VW brand topped 427,000 in China in the first quarter, with EVs accounting for only 6%. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, with these upcoming 3,500 hourly job cuts from Stellantis, is this a good or bad thing when it comes to the upcoming UAW negotiations, especially with the interesting relationship between Stellantis and the UAW? Yeah, you know, job cuts are never really a great thing. Nobody likes to see them. But when they're handled in this way, they're usually, you know, not too damaging. People get a check rather than just get a pink slip, right? It's a, it's a much better proposition. And they get to choose, you know, themselves who retires or not. But this is not sitting well with the UAW. Sean Fain, the new president, called it a slap in the face to the members. He called it disgusting. He said, shame on Stellantis. So this is really another step that's ratcheting up the rhetoric and the intensity between these two sides. Could make for some tough talks. Sounds like a soap opera. Coming up, we'll hear from one retailer about how the updated EV tax credits are affecting his business. That's next on Daily Drive. Hi, I'm Pete Bigelow, host of Shift, a podcast about mobility from Automotive News. Each week, I bring you a conversation with leaders who are on the cutting edge of transportation, like this one with consultant and strategist Salika Josiah Talbot. The technologists are forcing themselves in a space that they shouldn't be. And I think the social scientists and politicians are falling down on the job. To hear more about the new technology and policy reshaping the way people and goods move around, join me on Shift. New episodes each Sunday on autonews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Electric vehicle tax credits under the Inflation Reduction Act have been a bit of a roller coaster. Is the ride starting to smooth out? When President Joe Biden signed it into law last August, it immediately excluded about two-thirds of the EVs on the market from federal tax credits because they weren't assembled in North America. Then when the new year started, General Motors and Tesla vehicles were again eligible for support. Those two U.S. companies were the only automakers that had fully exhausted the original incentive program. Then late last month, Treasury finally issued its guidance on how to calculate the critical minerals and battery components, leading to last week's revelation of which electric vehicles qualify for $7,500, or half that, or none at all. So now we're all set, sort of, for now, to help us get a handle on where the EV market is now and how it's evolving and where things go from here. Automotive News Washington, D.C. reporter Audrey LaForest and I hosted a LinkedIn Live conversation with Robert Simmons, a general manager with the LaFontaine Automotive Group. He oversees a half dozen stores selling GM's brands, Chevrolet, Cadillac, Buick, and GMC. Here are some excerpts from our conversation. Bob, let me start with you. What, what are you seeing in the dealerships? Are shoppers coming in better prepared or more confident in the process this past week since the new guidance was issued? You know, I don't think so, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, you know, typically in this uh, industry, uh, the consumer relies on us to be the, you know, the matter experts. So, but it's about split. Some people come in, know more than we know. Uh, there, there's other people who come in and look for all the information from us. So, 
it's a it's a bit of a mixed bag, but uh, it's a little bit chaotic for the consumer at this point in time. When they come in, I mean, do people come in that buy an EV? They they want an EV. They know about it, or do some people come in and say, "Hey, I just I need a car to get me to work, and I'm trying to fit it in my budget." And and you show them, "Hey, here's a a Chevy Bolt or a Bolt EUV that might fit their budget and their lifestyle." You know, again, it's a little bit of both. Um, some people come in want to know what this uh, cool new electric vehicle is, and they've done their homework on it and what have you. But then there's other people that come in that we can we guide them through it. So it's really the job of our uh, our sales staff to actually find out what their needs are. Uh, obviously, range anxiety comes into it in a lot of situations, but uh, we're here to answer all the questions we can. We've got a really good staff that can do that and handle it. And then, Robert, I was wondering if you could comment a bit more on how this is all playing out on the showroom floor, especially now that these EV battery sourcing rules are in effect. Are your salespeople having to explain those provisions specifically? Is there pushback or, um, you know, just frustration from the consumers or the customers, you know, as they're considering EVs? Yeah, it's a real good question. So... We reach out as a dealer group uh, to get all the information we can. Unfortunately, a lot of the manufacturers can't give us that information, so uh, we're looking to other resources to to fill them in. We have meetings regular, regularly on it uh, to keep them all abreast of the situations. But obviously, we're not experts in that in the tax fields either. So um, we tr- we just try and get as much information so they can make the uh, consumer decision there. So a good one. Uh, but Bob, I want to draw, you referenced earlier that it's, it is challenging. This transition has been challenging for dealers, for, for auto retailers. Talk a little about what you guys have been going through, the, the investments, the training, uh, those kinds of things. Yes. Yeah, so um, this has been, you know, quite a, a journey so far. We've spent millions of dollars throughout the group, you know, with the chargers that we need to supply for the exterior of the buildings. Uh, the interior service uh, departments, we need tools, we need chargers as well inside, not to mention forklifts. I mean, so the investment for dealers is incredible, and it's not small forklifts. I mean, we need heavy-duty uh, specialized forklifts so we can take the batteries out of cars and what have you. So every dealer, and quite honestly, a lot of dealers got out of it. They were given the option through the manufacturers because of the investment that's involved in it. So, but, uh, yep, it's... It's daunting. So you've got to make this, these investments up front. I suppose you probably haven't sold a whole lot of electric vehicles yet. Maybe some some Hummers, some Chevys and all that? Uh, yeah, we've sold very few. Okay, and obviously getting into a, a normal car, an ICE car, uh, has its challenges when you uh, introduce them, right? So not the electric cars. GM got out in front of this. They wanted to make a whole new platform thinking that they would save themselves you know, a lot of time over the, the long term. So with their uh, battery technology that they're using now, yeah, it's been a challenge. They've run it, and GM doesn't want to release cars until they know they've got them actually tested very well, obviously. But they've run into some challenges there. They've overcome them. And uh, so hopefully by third quarter of this year, we're supposed to see some big numbers. Do you have a long wait list for uh, Cadillac Lyrics? Uh, yes, we have over 130 on order right now wow. and, uh, it's growing. So yes. And Bob, you know, given that 
some of the brands that your dealership group sells are no longer eligible for the 30D tax credit. I'm thinking of Kia and Hyundai EVs, uh, for example. How do you expect that to affect your group's new vehicle sales, especially, obviously, for EVs? Uh, you know, it's, it's a tough question, to be honest with you. Um, we're still sorting through a lot of it where we thought we couldn't sell some of these cars or uh, because of tax credits, we wouldn't get them. Um, leasing may open that up in some of the lanes. So um, it's a work in progress right now, to be quite honest with you. Do you think that this tax credit hurts or helps EV adoption in the U.S.? Well, from my standpoint, um, it's created a lot of chaos right now, to be quite honest with you. I think it should help. Um especially if we can get all of our uh, model lines to qualify for them. So that's going to be the big tell. We have a question about yesterday's news on the, about the end of the Chevy Bolt production uh, at the end of this year. Kind of, and they're asking, you know, will GM be able to ramp up the Equinox enough to replace that demand? Or, you know, what are you hearing about the smaller, I think they said there would be a sub $30,000 vehicle coming from the Ultium platform. Uh, Bob, do you have any inside info for us on that? Um, yeah, so I've been reading myself about that as they plan on using that factory in producing the new uh, Sierra and possibly, or the Silverado. But yeah, they're also talking about the Blazer uh, and the Equinox to be the lower level vehicle to replace that bolt. And uh, hopefully we can sell a lot of them. Robert Simmons is a general manager at LaFontaine Automotive Group. You can hear our full conversation on the Automotive News LinkedIn page, and you'll also hear from Ann Blair of the Electrification Coalition. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Vince Bond Jr., John Hutter, Gail Howe, and Hans Grimel for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on EV tax credits, manufacturing, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.